Welcome to Wisconsin DNR's Wild Wisconsin Off the Record Podcast. Information straight from the source. of Wisconsin DNR's Off the Record podcast. So as a reminder, what we're doing here is we really want to give you, as our users, some more background as to uh, what we're doing in the field and in the office to improve your time in the outdoors and hopefully taking some of these topics that may seem pretty complex or, or tough to un- understand at some times as to what our role is in something and kind of fleshing that out. And today is going to be a really good one. Um, whenever we can, we try to get partners on here. So we've got uh, three guys from Vortex Optics, who is actually a sponsor for the web series this year, Wild Wisconsin. So be sure to check that out. And we've also got Jeff Gerard from Wisconsin Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. So uh, two really strong partners for the department. We're really excited for this one. So today we're going to be talking about some of the challenges uh, and opportunities that kind of go hand in hand with new technology that's out there in reaching hunters and outdoorsmen. So I think a lot of these things are going to apply to not only the hunting community, but also angling community, um, people who hike or just go outdoors. Um, I'm hoping Jeff can touch on a lot of that too, as kind of how this all spider webs out from not just hunters, but everyone who likes to enjoy the outdoors. So we're going to talk about new technology, challenges that we have, um, opportunities that we see moving forward, and kind of what it all means uh, for hunting as a whole moving forward. So I mentioned we're joined today by three guys from Vortex. We've got Mark Boardman, Eric Barber, and Jim Hamilton. And then from Wisconsin Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, we've got Jeff Gerard. And I am Sawyer Briel. I work with the Fish, Wildlife, and Parks Division with Wisconsin DNR. So before we get started, uh, I thought we'd give some background for the listeners. We'll start with you, Mark. Do you want to just touch briefly on kind of what you do at Vortex, where it all comes full circle, kind of where you guys fit in as a partner, um, and then just briefly your experience as a hunter and, and why this all applies to you? So, yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, born and raised in Washington State, uh, grew up in a hunting and fishing family. I mean, all, pretty much all my best memories revolve around those activities. Uh, finished up school out there and, and definitely uh, had a solid education, but uh, knew what I probably knew how to do best was hunt and fish and wanted to get a job, you know, related to it. So, uh, worked uh, for Cabela's at their headquarters for about seven years uh, in Sydney, Nebraska, and then got the opportunity at Vortex going on almost 10 years ago and uh, haven't looked back, man. It's been an amazing company um, and, you know, just really in line with, you know, who I am personally and what I'm about and also, you know, the issues that I care about. So it couldn't be uh, a better fit. Mm-hmm. Jim, how about you? Uh, been in Wisconsin my whole life and uh, really, I guess, the whole like early on part of my life, I it was it wasn't exactly I'd say like a hunting focused family that I grew up in. I have you know two of my older brothers I'd say are pretty pretty hardcore hunters. They they get into it quite a bit. I tended to follow the steps of my other older brother who was really into sports. So I hit the sports thing hard. Um, got out of school and then you know now being at Vortex, being here for a while. I mean I've always I've always loved the idea of hunting. I think hunting is pretty sweet. I don't have ex- as probably as extensive of an experience in hunting as um, really everybody else in the room here. Uh, but getting pretty pumped for it. Looking to go actually to Nebraska this year, do a, a little muzzleloader hunting there. Have done some hog hunting, uh, occasional things like that, but you know in some ways I'm probably similar. I guess working at Vortex I'm I'm not exactly similar to some of these people that we're going to be talking about, but you know, a relatively newer hunter. Um, so, yeah. That's great, because I think that's a really important person to have at the table when we're having these discussions. Um, that's awesome to hear that you're looking to get into it. So I think, Jim, you're really going to bring a good perspective to the discussion here. Eric, how about you? Um, Eric, I, I will mention Eric is ex-DNR, so I think yep. he's going he's gonna to be able to tell both stories here, which I think will be interesting. Yeah, I mean, that is the, you know, I guess my kind of personal perspective is, you know, I, like Mark, grew up in a hunting and really outdoors-minded family. I mean, didn't really get die hard into hunting until, you know, I was, you know, 
well, I guess probably 15, 16 years old. But uh, so like my most of my childhood memories are like growing up camping and stuff like that, just anything kind of outside. Um, my first job out of college was working for a media company in the hunting industry where we filmed and edited, you know, whitetail hunts. And that brought one perspective to me. And following that, I worked for the DNR, which was the total opposite side of the spectrum. Um, so it was kind of unique to compare and contrast those. And now from the, from there, I'm, I'm here at Vortex. So, you know, my job revolves around a lot of like helping people out with questions that they have, you know, whether it's someone who's a total expert way over my head um, or someone who's brand new to it. So I kind of get to see a lot of different different interest levels and a lot of different, um, I guess, stakeholder groups of what the people are that are buying hunting and fishing licenses. Mm -hmm. Jeff, how about you? Yeah, so <clears throat> I'm the chairman of the Wisconsin chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers here, and we are a nonprofit organization that works on behalf of public lands and public waters in Wisconsin. Um, professionally, you know, that's a volunteer position. Professionally, I'm an attorney in Milwaukee. Um, I wish I could spend more time outdoors than I do, but um, as far as hunting and fishing experience or hunting experience, I've been hunting as long as I've been able to tag along with my dad, um, you know, here in Wisconsin and out west. So um, I think this is an important topic, uh, communicating not only with other hunters, but all the stakeholders we have. Um, and from a BHA perspective, um, the stakeholders are extremely important in public lands. Uh, so before we get started, I mentioned that we're going to be talking about a lot of new tools that are available um, to all of us as we communicate with hunters, and on the flip side, hunters that communicate with us. So I wanted to share just a few brief stats here to maybe give you some perspective as we're talking about these things. So we're going to talk a little bit about podcasts today. Obviously, we're on one right now, but over 525,000 active podcast channels are out there with over 18.5 million episodes. So that, that is pretty ridiculous, um, and we're going to talk about info overload later too. Maybe that applies here, maybe it doesn't. 44% um, of the U.S. population has listened to a podcast, the majority being at home, in the cars next, so some more interesting stuff. And for social media as a whole, which we're also going to talk about. So in 2012, the average internet user had three social media accounts. Any guesses how many they have now, guys? Seven. Seven. He is reading the sheet. I just caught him looking at the sheet. <laughs> Not six. Seven. It was weird, That's actually. I was looking number. in the direction of the sheet, but I was totally zoned out. So <laughs> just came to my mind. Um, and then social media and messaging services account for roughly one in every three minutes users spend on the Internet. So think about all the time you spend on the Internet and think about all the time that you're on social media. Maybe it applies to you, maybe it doesn't, but to me that's pretty eye-opening. 79% of Internet users use Facebook. 70% um, of U.S. adults between the ages of 18 to 29 are on Facebook. A million hours of video is viewed daily on the platform. And then just to touch briefly on Instagram, 800 million users worldwide for Instagram, so that's a platform that's growing. 35% um, of Instagram users check Instagram multiple times a day, and 51% open the app daily. That probably sounds about right for me, um, yeah. especially with work and personal. But So I just wanted to do that to set the stage a little bit to give you guys some perspective as we're talking about these tools and kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly. So getting into it here, we'll start with the Vortex guys here. So what's at Vortex, what is your guys' overall focus at, in the message that you're trying to share? Kind of who are you trying to reach and what are your goals in doing so? It might be too broad of a question, but maybe we can start getting into it. I guess, I mean, from my perspective, just because I do a lot of communicating back and forth with, you know, our, our customers and just Vortex Nation as a whole, um, it's people of, like, all different interest levels. It might be someone who is a, you know, 15-year-old person who's just getting into shooting and, and wants to figure out how to get a scope on their 22. Or it might be someone who's a diehard, you know, long-range competition shooter or western hunter that wants the best optic for their hunting rifle or whatever um and from my perspective it's just a lot of coaching those people through helping them kind of realize what would be the best fit for them and kind of play that like liaison approach or role i guess and when it comes to them like making a purchase decision whether that's through us or someone else out there i mean we just kind of want people to be the most as educated as they can be about you know 
whatever it is that they're buying. I guess I'm sure you guys would add something to that too. Yeah, I, I think in terms of, especially since we're talking a lot about hunters here um, and then social media and kind of who we reach, how we try to do it, um, I, it sounds funny to say at first, but realistically speaking, I think that like if you just enjoy hunting um, and, and genuinely, like, I, I mean, genuinely really enjoy it um, for the activity of doing it, um, you know, getting the meat afterwards and, and just getting outside and, and doing something that we all love to do, then that's kind of you're who we're trying to talk to, I guess. Um, we've said it many times just internally. We try not never to take ourselves too seriously. Um, so we try not to, you know, turn hunting into a, a big competition where, you know, all of a sudden we're making enemies with, within the hunting community with other people who, that's that's not really what we're into. It's it's all kind of a you know same team kind of thing, um, supporting each other. And uh, different people might have different interests within within hunting, and and we think that's that's pretty cool. Um, and so and so we're all about it. Just as long as as long as we're getting out, and appreciating the natural resources that we have here, and and uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean I think you hit on something you know really solid there. You know, and it, and it maybe you know extends beyond hunting, but um, hunting means there's definitely commonalities, right? Probably between all of us that sit in the room that hunt, right? But it also means different things to different people. And I think, you know, one thing we really try to do, like Jim said, is, is respect those things. And, and we may have, you know, maybe varying, uh, put varying weight on different acts, aspects of the hunt. But the important thing is that we're all, all out in the field. And, you know, as long as you're following the game laws, you know, I mean, um, I think it's up to the individual to interpret, you know, why they want to be out there. So I think that's another big deal. And then as far as communicating, you know, with those different groups, um, Jim talked about, you know, not taking ourselves too seriously and, and we're all human beings, right? You know, and so just, you know, I mean, talking with folks like you're riding in the pickup, you know, I think that's important. I think people appreciate that and they're going to, you know, I think everybody will connect better that mm -hmm. way and you're going to be able to get your message across. They're going to be able to understand it and interpret it, you know, clearly and, you know, you'll be on your way to, you know, either getting them the proper information and maybe ultimately recruiting some new folks as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and because of like because of the people who we were, I'd say our, our primary market has just gravitated out west, you know. And, and even I myself, maybe it comes from the sports background and stuff, but I I tend to gravitate towards uh, a adventurous and more extreme style of hunting. Maybe that's that's more like mountainous mm -hmm. or you know that that's definitely what I see myself doing more in the future as I get into it more. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to poo-hoo anybody who just goes out once a year and, you know, sits in a tree stand mm -hmm. in Wisconsin. You mm -hmm. know, it's that's their thing, and it's cool, you know. And, Absolutely. And, and I think that the the more that people tend to start to poo-hoo the way other people do it, it, it just, again, creates the rifts, like I said, which we don't need to get totally into yet, but that's kind of that's kind of our mm -hmm. perspective. Mm -hmm. And I, I mentioned the group we had today. I really wanted to bring these groups to the table because you got Vortex, private industry, hunting industry, shooting sports. Uh, more than that, um, you've got Jeff, which is a non-governmental organization, and then you've got the DNR, who is obviously a government agency. So, um, obviously, with a company like Vortex, their goals, I think, at the very base layer, you're going to see are just intertwined so closely with uh, with BHA and with DNR. But obviously, they're private industry, so they're trying to sell a product. So that makes it a little different for you guys. But I think as we get into it, we're really going to see that at that really under the surface level of how we're communicating and why, I think we're gonna see some patterns here. So Jeff, how about you? Um, <clears throat> from BHA's perspective, I mean, the, the communication that we have with our members and being able to articulate the message that we have is extremely important. Um, you know, social media, it's done some really good things. Um, there's been a couple of uh, federal bills that, that were proposed that BHA got on top of very quickly and our members got on social media and got after some of these politicians on some of those bills and it, it killed them frankly and it's extremely important but I think um, you know there's there's two sides of that coin kind of like Jim was talking about earlier here um, we don't want to be trying to compete with everybody for the greatest Instagram photo you've ever seen in your life about um, you know the only the only good hunt is a doll sheep hunt in the Alaskan range. You know, th that hunt is just as good as, as a tree stand hunt here in Wisconsin. So, um, uh, I think it's, it's, there are two sides of the, co of the, of the social media coin. Um, 
it is very good for getting a message out though. I can, I mean, I'm not a big social media guy. Um, I don't really enjoy it all that much, but I've seen the power that it has and mm -hmm. it's extremely important. So would it be safe to say that Vortex, you guys are more in the, the product side of things, BHA, you guys are considered maybe more of an advocacy down that advocacy vein. Would that be safe to say? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And then DNR for us, I would consider more of like the education kind of regulation side of things, policy side of things. So um, like I mentioned before, kind of three different things all converging in the middle as we're going to find out here. But so Jeff, you started touching on it there, but can you talk about maybe the communication tools that we have in 2018. Um, I think all of us are a little different in age, but I think we've all seen it change quite a bit. Um, so maybe we'll start again with the Vortex guys, but can you talk about maybe how the tools have changed that are available to you guys even maybe in the last couple of years or kind of how you're using those to get your message out? I mean, we really only started hitting Instagram hard within like the last two and a half years, so there's one, you know, um, and... Uh, a lot of the, the, the video content has really started to, to burst at the seams mm -hmm. um, lately. And it's, it's been very clear that in order to sort of entertain or, or keep, keep the masses of people uh, following you, you kind of need to be a content creating machine. So that's, that's definitely been um, something that we've seen a lot. It used to be back in the day, you know, our, our, teams dedicated to making photos and catalogs and videos, whether it be a video that's, you know, about a cool hunt and explaining customer's story or a video about a product that you have explaining how to use it and how to be a proper end user for that product. Um, we might have had one or two people in the past, but now that team has grown quite a bit and, you know, you just got to keep, um, keep putting stuff out there. And, you know, I just think uh, even even the video and, and photo editing software and, and the cameras and things like that have gotten a lot easier to use. You don't necessarily need to have a master's degree mm -hmm. in those products or or um, softwares to use them. So a lot of a lot of um, people have just been self taught now. So you're com you're sort of competing for people's attention um, mm -hmm. a lot more nowadays. Yeah, and and you know. The unintended consequence of that is there's more resources out there right now than there ever has been. There's like there's no better time to be getting into hunting or fishing or whatever hobby it is that you have, just plain and simple because of the amount of resources that are out there. If you want to learn how to, you know, ride a dirt bike, there's a million different videos about how to, you know, make make that thing go fast. Same thing with hunting. If I you, watched a couple of those. This yeah, spring, just, just yeah. <laughs> Same thing with hunting, whether you just want to figure out how to get into hunting, there's a million resources out there for that. Or if you're already a hunter and you want to take it to the next level, there's resources for that. So that's just an unintended consequences of all that stuff that we now kind of have at our disposal. So Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, there's definitely more information and resources than ever, which is an amazing thing. But I mean, there's definitely, you know, some places where you need to separate the wheat from the chaff a little mm -hmm. bit, you know, as a, I guess, a, a consumer of that content. But I think folks are in general, I mean, they're pretty smart and, and you can tell, you know, what is good or, or what isn't good. Um, you know, and just to touch on podcasts, you know, or even like uh, we've recently launched a podcast as well. I mean, you mentioned there's like, there's a lot of them out there, but they're all a little bit different. I think they're going to hit a little bit of a different niche. So when people are looking for or searching for certain information, they're I think overall they're going to find different homes, right? And there's only so many hours in a day. And if something is kind of fitting, you know, your media consumption needs, if you will, you know, you can, you can definitely, definitely find it. And I'll take that a step further. One thing um, that I think is, you know, amazing about really maybe, maybe, you know, podcasts and YouTube videos in particular is you can um, listen to an hour long podcast on a certain subject and you can soak in really a lifetime of knowledge from a person like I mean I've listened to a bunch myself and it's like holy mackerel like I just learned you know 30 years of elk hunting experience in an hour that mm -hmm. I can go take yep. to the woods and man I mean particularly like whether you're a seasoned elk hunter or whatever the subject might be or you're just getting into it I mean you, you just you're just so many steps ahead than you would have been without mm -hmm. that information at your yeah, fingertips. Yeah. YouTube University is a real thing. Mm -hmm. It's people these days know so much more. I feel like about anything. Yeah, 
Yeah, the saying is always that when you were in a group of people and there's a question, you kind of just all agreed that it, it wouldn't get answered or maybe it'd pop in someone's mind mm-hmm. three days later and you'd give them a call and tell them, but now it's two seconds, Google it. Yeah. So what whether that's made conversation better or worse, I'm not sure. I think we can talk about that, but Mark, what you mentioned with the niche thing I think is really interesting because over a half a million active podcast channels, so if you want to learn to play checkers upside down in a bat cave, like there might be a podcast out there for that. So, yeah. um, Jim, Google it. fact check um so would would you guys as vortex say would you say social media is your most important tool right now for kind of achieving your goals and getting where you want to go would that be fair to say or is there a different one out there that's i mean you're asking all three of us are in the marketing team so you know we might say something like that whereas it's hard to say what's the most important important goal for vortex i'd say overall we can't pick one platform whether that be social media whether that be you know print whether it be just you know whatever it is it's hard to say what's most important uh as far as the department goes or something like that but the most important thing for us has always been wherever the customer is that's where we are and you know so that's that's probably why we have a bigger than normal team of people who are on the phones mm-hmm. at all times mm-hmm. that's why we have a bigger than normal team of people on social media and and in a lot of other areas is just to be wherever the customer is to, mm-hmm. you know, help them out at any time. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. I mean, that's one thing I was going to touch on, too, is, like, you know, you brought up earlier, Sawyer, like, you know, okay, we're more on the product side. But in some ways, I don't I don't f- ever forget that, right? But to Jim's point, like, the ultimate goal is serving the customer. And, and, part, and part of that service is providing them with a, a great product, right? But also along with that, I think one of the fun aspects of our job is, we get to serve the customer maybe in some some different ways, whether that's providing uh, something that might simply just be entertaining or providing that information. It's like, yeah, I guess that sale is maybe ultimately the bottom line somewhere, but we get to focus, mm-hmm. I guess, on a, on a different step of that mm-hmm. process. Yep. I'm glad you touched on that. I think that's an important, really important point to make. Yeah. So, Jeff, we're going to get to you next before... That, I just wanted to remind for people listening, we're talking about communicating with hunters in 2018. Um, we've got three guys from Vortex here. We've got Jeff from Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. We've got the DNR perspective as well. So, uh, Jeff, do you want to touch on that too? Kind of uh, communication tools in 2018, kind of what's available? What do you guys like to use? I know you touched on social media a little bit too. You mentioned grassroots. So, do you want to kind of touch on where you guys are at and what your valuable tools may be? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll touch on what we use here in, in Wisconsin. I mean, I, I can't speak a whole lot about what the organization uses internally nationally because I'm not, I'm not there. But I, I, I'm going to piggyback a little bit off of what Mark said about podcasts and, and gaining this vast amount of knowledge in a short amount of time, especially when it comes to issues like public land advocacy or um, public waters advocacy. You know, before social media and before podcasts you would have had to do a lot of research on certain bills and the history of public lands and and how they came about when now you can you know turn on your iphone plug on a podcast and in two hours you have all of that information there ready to go and it gives you ammunition to use when you're talking to politicians or people who may not um, be on the same side as as we are for public land so Podcasts are a big deal in BHA. I'm, I mean, I've talked to, I don't know, countless members who said that, you know, I always ask, how did you find out about BHA? Oh, I found out through, you know, his podcast or this guy's podcast. I mean, it's amazing how many people find out about the organization through podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're extremely important. I mean, yeah, we, we use Instagram, we use Facebook. Um, you know, we have our Facebook page in Wisconsin has a, a is very good with having policy discussions. Um, there's always good discussions you know, most of the time people don't agree and, 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 um, and that's great. Like I, I tell everyone all the time, like dissent is, is good. I think it's good to have dissent. We don't always want to be thinking the same thing all the Echo time. Echo chamber. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. And especially with, um, you know, BHA is a young organization. Um, like, like you said, sorry, we're all relatively the same age, I think here. Um, and we're all like-minded and I think it's good to kind of get some dissent sometimes because we don't, always want to have the the same thoughts but um yeah instagram and facebook are great for getting stuff out um as far as 
you know, if a bill is trying to be passed in the Wisconsin legislature, you know, before you'd have to wait for the paper the next day and not everyone would read it. Well, I think you said, what, there's 800 million people on Instagram, right? And so if there's a bill that comes out, we know about it and bang, bang, you make an Instagram post or it's posted on Facebook and people know about it immediately. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's, it's amazing tool for well, that type of thing. the shareability of that stuff too, right? you know, like you're not necessarily back in the day going to, you know, fold up your newspaper and put it in the mail and email it to your buddy Bob, right? You know, right. You, you might call him on the phone and, you know, maybe, maybe you just do it a different way. But yep. I mean, it just seems like to be able to instantly in the moment say, yep, I know some people that I think might be interested in this, click a button and have them have that information at their, at their fingertips mm -hmm. is, you know, pretty impactful. And it's funny, you know, you talk about social and this is actually BHA related. I recently learned like it was kind of like a, a specific fact related to an issue uh, uh, related to BHA on a YouTube video that the Hush guys produced with Ty Stubblefield from BHA. You know what I mean? So, and that was just that was just a couple days ago, and mm -hmm. I wouldn't have known that one part mm -hmm. of the issue had I not tuned into that. Mm -hmm. right? And we're we're talking about here things that require an action, whether it's you know standing up for a, a bill that you or, or opposing a bill that's gonna you know turn negative Im implications against public access. We need people to, like you mentioned, Mark, if they have a newspaper in their hand, they have to then put that newspaper down and, you know, make that action from somewhere else. Well, now today we live in a world where you have your phone on you, which is probably where you're consuming your social media or whatever the f whatever it is. You get that, you see it on there. Now you can, write at the same device, make that reach out and that communication, you know, whatever it is. You can make that action right from the same device that you're using to consume your information on. So I think that's a really interesting paradigm right now because not only are we learning stuff, but we can act with what we learn all right in the same without even getting out of the chair. Mm -hmm. So, And, and sometimes it's my GPS. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's an, it, that's a great point because it's important that people actually do take that step though, like you were talking about, Eric. So if you do see something that, hey, like, I don't agree with this, you know, BHA posted this, this is bad for public lands, you know, make the comment on the on the Instagram post, you know, make the comment on the Facebook page, but then also actually, like, dial the phone number mm -hmm. that's on there and, and let, you know, whoever that person is know, hey, I don't agree with this, I'm not happy about mm -hmm. this. Um, and that's something that is relevant for DNR, too, that I'll just touch on briefly is, on a lot of our social media posts or something, you'll see someone comment, I'm opposed to this. Mm -hmm. And for them, it just kind of ends there. So mm -hmm. I think there's this expectation that while it's been gotten easier to provide feedback, the approved channels are still there that you need to follow, mm -hmm. whether that's uh, writing a letter, um, sending an official email, or things like that. So while I think on a broad scale, it's gotten easier to share feedback, um, I think people sometimes misunderstand that with, um, actually submitting public comment. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an important thing to touch on. Well, and, and elaborating a little bit, like saying I'm opposed to this, I mean, that's, you know, that's fantastic that that person has an opinion on that issue, but that also may not tell the people that are listening a lot about what exactly they're opposed to mm -hmm. or maybe in what way they're opposed to something. So, like, whether, whether the comment is, you know, uh, positive or negative, I mean, you know, I mean, you don't need to write a Hemingway letter, but, you know, some sort of, insight into what they mean by their comment mm -hmm. is definitely you mm -hmm. know welcome mm -hmm. yeah and they, i mean this is talked about in english classes across the world or you know across the u.s especially nowadays in school where the social media has kind of bred this culture of shorthand a lot you know mm -hmm. where um people feel that people just see something and the first thing that pops to their head they just comment it and then they go on with their lives they probably don't even remember what they commented 10 minutes later yep mm -hmm. you know and to, to stop and think about a little bit what you're about to say um, will not only help your case, uh, but it'll also help whoever you're trying to tell it to to understand what you're trying to say. Because, I mean, oftentimes, if you know if you just see no thanks or boo or yep. whatever, it just, I, hey, I, I respect your opinion, but I have no idea what you're trying to tell me. Mm -hmm. right. You know? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So before we keep moving on, I'll just give DNR's kind of, overview and perspective briefly. I want to let these guys do the majority of the talking, but um, I think we're a little different just because obviously the majority of what I do is with hunting, fishing, state parks, things like that. But DNR is a huge agency with kind of a broad scope of things that we do. So that's everything from environmental management, to zoning, things like that. So 
Um, I think I'm really confident that the things that we're talking about apply broadly, but um, I also am trying to drill down just to hunters and kind of outdoors men and women here. Mm -hmm. So I think that's important to keep in mind. And as far as tools, we use social media, all, all those things where we're trying to stay modern and stay relevant. Um, in fact, we have to. So there's a lot of pressure on our end. We really have to, to stay modern and, and make what we share appealing to people. So that's something that we work hard on. But um, so to kind of switch gears a little bit here, this is a tough question. So what we've been talking about now is really general and really kind of what do you guys do? What do you guys think? So this is... What do you think has changed? We mentioned communication, social media has changed over the past five, ten years. So we're talking about the hunting industry and hunting. What do you guys think has changed over the past five to ten years? And maybe we can get into some of the challenges that's presented or maybe opportunities. Um, so what do you guys think? That's a, it's a tough question. It's a really broad question, but I think it might kind of help steer what we're talking about. I'd say I'd say one thing has been, we're in kind of a we're in kind of a limbo time right now where you have I think a lot of hunters out there that are um, they go by the traditional way of doing things that have been done for many many years and you have a lot of new hunters now too and I think that a lot of the new hunters are coming in probably probably via the social media kind of avenues because I think they've seen a lot of that aspirational stuff that people post on social media I mean you mentioned earlier Mark you mentioned the hush guys mm-hmm. and the hush guys they made a brand and lifestyle out of hunting and fishing and I'm sure that a lot of people that follow their channel or watch their videos either didn't used to hunt or or don't hunt but now they're interested Mm -hmm. in it and I think that you know you've got these younger generations that that kind of like to do things their own way and stuff like that so I've noticed that it can be a little difficult at times when you try to maybe you know as us talking on social media and maybe even developing products you try to keep up with kind of the new trends, but also respect tradition. Um, and uh, that doesn't always go hand in hand. Um, some, sometimes those two sides are opposing, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so that I think that's been a little bit of a difference in the, in the hunting industry lately. And I think it's been it's been a slight challenge. But um, I do. I personally, I think it's cool at the same time, though, I guess that, mm-hmm. you know, even though maybe some people some people try to buck the trend a little bit or, or try to be a little bit different. It's just, I have seen a lot more hunting. And, and as, a, as a relatively newer hunter myself, I'd say that back when I was really into the sports and in high school and college, I didn't see a whole lot of hunting content out there. And, mm-hmm. and it, it, just, it just wasn't as prevalent. And that's probably part of the reason why I didn't, you know, quit a few of my sports and go mm-hmm. hunting as much. But um, now I see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. We, got, we got you now, Jim. That's the important thing. Yeah. So. And one, one thing that's changed for us, too, is that we're really careful to keep an eye on, and I'm sure you guys are the same, is, say, 10 years ago when social media wasn't as big, um, you've got the outdoor newspapers, outdoor mm-hmm. writers, which continue to be incredibly important to sharing mm-hmm. our message. But mm-hmm. with these new tools, we're, we're gung-ho. We love them. We love using them. We're really mm-hmm. dialing it up on using them. But we need to be careful not to forget that segment of the population that doesn't consume their media and their news that way. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we've had to be really careful. If you think about uh, switching the regulations to a digital version, things like that, um, those are just things that we need to mm-hmm. really keep an eye on. Um, and while these things are great, we have to remember that there's this huge segment of the population that just isn't quite there yet yeah. and, mm-hmm. might, and might not get there. Yeah. yeah, You still can't quite say yet when somebody asks, I never heard about this, you still can't quite we're not to the point where you can say, oh, we post about it on Facebook. You yeah. must have missed it. Yep. You know, it's exactly. like there's, there's some people out there that... Well, that's the we're, we're losing that generation of hunters, too. I mean, we see a lot more hunting content now because we're, we're probably looking for it. But the facts are that hunting licenses continue to decline like mm-hmm. every single year. So while there is more content, and I guess it's just it's out there and it's in front of us more... Like, we're losing hunters every single year, and mm-hmm. I think it's because we don't have enough of the younger generation to make up for the older generation that mm-hmm. either can't do it anymore or is, or is unwilling to do it anymore. And I know from BHA's perspective, you know, we are, we're, we're doing everything we can to bring in new hunters. I mean, we, um, <clears throat> our chapter started a uh, learn to bow hunt program here in Wisconsin, so we are teaching, you know, new bow, brand new bow hunters, people how to bow hunt. Um, I know the DNR does a learn to hunt for food program where they teach new hunters, you know, 
take them out they do it with turkeys and deer. And so those, you know, getting the message out about those type of programs to get people to do this type of thing is, is really important because we are losing more hunters yeah. than we're gaining right now. And, and the interesting thing about that is, you know, like you mentioned, Jim, there's so many platforms out there right now and we're seeing all this content. You know, we all have social media accounts of our own and we all make posts on them occasionally, just like a lot of the listeners probably that are listening to this. With that said, there's so much content out there. So when you hit post on something, you know, I think there's a, there's an, another aspect that goes into it. When you make that out there, it's, it's out for everyone to see. So if you just jump on Instagram right now and, you know, search for the hashtag, you know, hunting, you're going to see everything from someone, you know, making a really aspirational post about what the sport means to them. And you might see a picture that doesn't do the sport justice or maybe mm-hmm. sheds a, a negative mm-hmm. connotation against it mm-hmm. so that or what could just be perceived as exactly mm-hmm. yeah so i you know that that's the challenge like you asked sawyer is you know there that's a challenge for people because you know what might you might be numb to as a hunter you know you might be used to a deer with its tongue hanging out and blood all over the place here we are talking about recruiting new hunters if i'm a someone who's never seen a dead animal, never cut into the, you know, backstrap of a, an animal that was alive an hour ago, and I see blood and foam coming out of the mouth of something, that might shine a little different light on it. Mm-hmm. So although one group might be numb to that, we're really, at the end of the day, all of us that are sitting at this table want to grow this base of people. Mm-hmm. So it's important to really kind of think before you throw yeah. something out into yeah. the web world that's something that, i mean you really i think you nailed it right there and and is exactly or not exactly but what i was going to bring up as a challenge is like <clears throat> as a hunter you know the rest of this like as a hunter you know the rest of the story right or mm-hmm. um but with social media oftentimes the the content the brevity of the con, uh, content i think is a challenge because you're not getting the entire story you are getting that snapshot mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um like i said you we've hunted you know, yep. been around deer, you know, taking it from that, that A to Z process of, you know, um, you know, from essentially from the field to the freezer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know everything that went into that experience. But like you said, when you post that picture, that's just that one tiny little brief mm-hmm. snapshot. Um, but on the flip side, you know, a big positive that, that I've seen in the last five years is really the... Uh, the celebration and honoring of the food component mm-hmm. of hunting, um, which again, like I've been eating deer my whole life, but I haven't necessarily talked about it that much. Or um, so it's essentially like you know on my Instagram page, um, there's probably as many food pictures as there are, you know, whatever animal mm-hmm. pictures or mm-hmm. whatever, what have you, just because yeah. Yeah. Um, they're really equally important in my book yeah yeah and and for someone listening who's like well why the heck are these guys why why should all this be interesting to me they're talking about how they communicate with hunters i already hunt whatever the big picture of all this is we have to be so careful um and really think about this and get your feedback and your help or i mean the hunting culture i'm Mm -hmm. not i'm not going to sit here and say it's going to be gone in 10 years but as Jeff mentioned, it's declining. Mm-hmm. So we really need to, like I mentioned, stay current, stay relevant, or, I mean, we're seeing this culture decline. Yeah. I'd be curious, I'd be curious, you know, those numbers, you can't argue with them, you know, it's, they're, they are, they are going down. But I'd be curious if there was some way to get numbers of people who are interested in hunting versus people who actually go out and get tags and things like that. You know, I think that I, if we keep talking about things like social media and whatnot, we mentioned earlier you know, oh, you don't know something, just Google it. Like, these days, if people can't figure out something or do something in, like, less than 30 seconds, they're like, eh, not worth it, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that, I think you got the lifestyle now where it's like, you know, hey, the kid's in basketball, then I take him to oboe practice, then I take him to piano lessons, then I take him home and he does homework and he goes to sleep and then I hang out with my wife or whatever, or my husband, uh, whoever you are. And, and, like, there's so much stuff going on that hunting it, it, hunting has always been a sport where it's like you take the time and it's it's kind of a oh gosh what, what am i trying to say it's like it takes time it takes to go time. on a hunt and it's also and it's a, an investment it's like, an, mm-hmm. yeah it's an investment and it's it's a it's a activity where you're almost 
uh, remiss to not take the time. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. if you just did some run-and-gun hunt, sure, I, again, I'm not going to poo-hoo that. If that's your thing, like, go for it. And if that's well, the only way you can get it done, go for it, right? Sometimes that's all and you I, got. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think that a lot of people who do the run-and-gun style kind of hunt many times might wish that they had the chance to kind of be outdoors and, and be in the fresh air and uh, a little bit longer, you know, and... and mm-hmm. I'd say that's probably always the case. Yeah. You know, but you're just, you know, time, you know, I always say, you know, time time and money, man. Those are generally the finite resources yeah. of, uh, you know, limiting that time in the field. But, um, man, if there's anybody out there that hasn't tried hunting or even fishing, um, you know, a big thing that gets thrown around right now, and maybe I'm kind of rabbit trailing here, but, you know, people like to throw around the, the – uh, uh, the phrase being present, right? Like, oh, are you present, man? There is no other time, at least I know in my life personally, where I am completely present, wrapped up in the moment, nothing else, in, like work, stress, whatever, none of those things are going on. Like completely present, wrapped up in the moment, every sense is completely in tune, every twig snap, mm-hmm. every bird, every squirrel, mm-hmm. hopefully some you know, hearing some deer hooves in the leaves, you know. Yep. Um, I mean, I'm just getting excited thinking right, about right. it. Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, but, hold on, what's your point? Calm down. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I want to go deer hunting. I'm grabbing my bow. Um, but, I mean, I think if that's what somebody's looking to get, that is definitely a way yeah. to get that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and going off that, if you are someone who your exposure to this has only been at Christmas time, you see the pictures that your cousins or family members have from hunting and all it is, 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 you know, someone holding a deer and you think that's all there, that that's all you're getting out of it. There's so much more. Like if you look at some of these other channels out there, like Modern Huntsman is one that comes to mind that Mm -hmm. is so great at showing the little moments that like you mentioned, Mark, that go into hunting. You might, you're going to see things being out in the woods, whether you kill a deer or not, you're going to see things that you flat out will not see if you don't put yourself in that place Mm -hmm. and time, you know? So it just it's, it comes into just being out there and getting yourself in that arena where you can have that experience, and then you're going to start opening up a whole new, you know, list of, of things that you can receive, I guess. Or so perceive. that's the million-dollar question is how do we communicate that mm-hmm. using the tools that we have? And, Jim, I think you had a really good point. I wish we could know how many people were interested in it but haven't done it. Um, for D- From DNR's perspective, and this is a perfect example of something – that applies to not only what I do kind of creating awareness for hunting and why it's important, but for the whole department is we, we don't go to work assuming that we are going to recruit every person in the state to hunt. It's not realistic. It wouldn't be a good use of our time to even assume that. So what we're really working on right now in social media is helping is creating awareness um, for what our staff are doing out in the field that's direct, directly affecting their time when they're out there deer hunting or hiking. Um, staying relevant, using new tools, and just helping people get an understanding at the very basic level of why people do this and why it's important and what it's all about. Um, And then just kind of, if they can be an advocate for hunting without hunting, I'm going to call that a win. Oh, big time. From my perspective. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So I think we went a little bit off trail there, (laughs) but I think that was a really good... Uh, kind of discussion. Did anyone else have anything to add there? So kind of wrapping that up, we're talking about um, communicating to hunters in 2018, but I think a really good side note there was uh, what we need to communicate about hunting as a whole and why it's important. So talking about social media, actually I will add one more thing about the hunting industry because I didn't mention it. Uh, To touch on the YouTube University thing, the two things that I've noticed, and I grew up going to the video store and getting the Primos videos and all that, mm-hmm. the two things I've noticed is hunting's gotten more polished as to what we see. And Eric, I think you touched on that. No tongue hanging out or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I think the way it's shared is really spiderwebbed. You mentioned YouTube University. Um, you've got this whole niche of people, the DIY hunters. You've still got the trophy guys, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the subsistence, learn to hunt for food type of people too. Mm-hmm. So from my from my perspective, I think it's really just spiderwebbed. It's not just one vein of going out and shooting right. a big buck. I just think it's it's changed a little bit from that from that side of things as well. Totally. 
So for social media, obviously we have we all have that person who shares way too much. Um, <laughs> probably multiple people. Mm -hmm. Jeff smiles. Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. He definitely yep. does. But so do you think the wealth of information available out there, and we mentioned being able to Google an answer in two seconds, has that created problems for what you guys are trying to do and kind of this whole idea as a whole? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, three letters, CWD, Google that, and you get a whole bunch of misinformation out mm -hmm. there. And, um, you know, and unless you take the time to go through and figure out who owns that website and who wrote this particular article and see what their that person's agenda is, I mean, you're going to get a whole ton of just terrible misinformation out there. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, especially with people who kind of come into that particular issue and other issues with, with an agenda, um, yeah, you're going to get a lot of misinformation. And there's too much information out there. Then. Mm -hmm. Credentials, man. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, anybody can make a screen name, put up an avatar, and then say they've been, you know, some forest ranger, you know, for a million years, mm -hmm. and they guided in all these states, and they did this, and then they say something that's totally wrong. And, you know, I mean, anybody can say that. Mm -hmm. No, they did do that, Jim. <laughs> I saw it on the internet. Oh, you did. Oh, I'm sorry. Never no, mind. I mean, that's a, that's a huge... <laughs> thing i mean there are no gatekeepers anymore when it comes to yep. media right like mm -hmm. if you want to be a content creator you can be a content creator and there's you know i mean we've been talking about mm -hmm. a lot of the good of that right and i think there's amazing good attached to that but there is some some bad where you know not every website or every article or video has a fact checker mm -hmm. right yep. A, a great example is literally what went went on yesterday with that conversation we were having with the guy who had an issue with a, or an issue with a red dot, where he was seeing a, a different image, and it turned out that he had his brightness turned up too too you know too much into his red dot. Well, that guy had all these people supporting his theory. Same exact thing can be said about CWD. Someone posts some posts a, a personal experience, and they get people jumping on that. You have the bandwagon effect of people jumping on there. All of a sudden, one thought turns into all the supporting claims, and now it's true by all standards of the definition. When in reality, the the solution it couldn't couldn't be further from what mm -hmm. you know is is actually being yeah. posted about. And once people determine they want to be part of a bandwagon, it's like when somebody actually does come in to dispute that argument, it's good luck. Man. Yeah, you know? there's something to be said. I mean, people want to be part of something, mm -hmm. and I we, I can't sit here and fault them for that, but. Just like I mentioned, it wouldn't be fair to assume that we're going to recruit everyone as a hunter over the next five years. Just don't assume that everything out there on social media or whatever is is factual or mm -hmm. is going to apply to how you choose to kind of look at a certain topic. Mm -hmm. But um, I would con compare it to like chain letters. Like mm -hmm. I would say it's the equivalent of like a chain letter today where something just takes off and you almost just mm -hmm. you can't control it from there, especially yep. on social media, whether it's right wrong or in between yep. once once it gets some steam it just it's gone yeah well and then if there is some misinformation you know perpetrated on the front end not it and it maybe it's corrected at some point even publicly yeah. not everybody not who everybody's. saw the yeah. original is going to tune back yeah. in to find out good luck so good luck much. trying to get them to tune back in right well, and plus yeah. too then you have then you have just the inevitable game of telephone Right. as well. I mean, you can even say something exactly correct on social media and it's just it's just heck, sometimes it's your iPhone's typo. Yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden that turns into something else and then somebody says, "Oh, I think I heard something along these lines." And then all of a sudden the next person takes that as gospel and says, "Oh, yeah, I heard this for sure." And the game of telephone just winds mm -hmm. up, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so that I mean, that's why we've even talked about in social media here at Vortex, and I'm sure you guys at BHA have said the same, and you guys at the DNR have said the same, where it's like, if you're going to say something out there, like, you better make sure that if people read it, like, they're going to get the right message. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's undisputable, un-mess-upable. Uh, I know there's a proper word for that, but I can't think of it. Um, Nailed it. But, uh, <laughs> like, it's black and white. Right. You don't want to put any gray areas out there, because all of a sudden, you might get misquoted or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you get the power of the of reach with all this stuff too. I mean, you and I did a, a a podcast just over a year ago with Brian Richards about CWD. You know, we tried to get that out there as best as could as we could, 
we flat out don't have the reach that Joe Rogan does. Mm-hmm. I would venture to guess not you yet, and I. Not yet. <laughs> you and <laughs> Off I, the record <laughs> podcast coming, coming soon. Yeah. You and I, you know, haven't even talked about this, but I would venture to say that since that Joe Rogan podcast, the amount of inquiries about CWD and stuff is just, I would imagine, is off the hook. That is a perfect example of kind of the power of social media and how word travels quickly mm-hmm. and also how people are choosing to um, absorb information. They, mm-hmm. they will listen to a two-hour podcast. We, yep. we now know that for a fact, which is really interesting moving forward. So as a reminder, people listening, we're talking about communicating with hunters, new technology, pitfalls, um, good things. So I thought maybe what we do now is talk about maybe the biggest challenges our, group, our groups have. So we mentioned we've got private industry, we've got uh, BHA, we've got DNR, government agencies. So maybe we'll start with BHA this time. What do, Jeff, what do you guys think is the biggest challenge that you have in communicating with hunters in 2018? I think I said this before when I when I asked a lot of our members, "How did you find out about BHA?" It was it was it's honestly it's this podcast or that podcast. Um, we need to branch out a little bit more from just people listening to podcasts and, and going on social media. Um, and it is difficult because you know when. You know, I'm obviously right in the center of this thing, so I talk with a lot of BHA members, and most of the members I talk with about hunting and fishing is, is all BHA people. Um, so the biggest challenge, I think, for us is just reaching outside of that core group of, of people and trying to expand our message out to, to everyone because I think the message that we have, keeping public lands in public hands, um, resonates with not only hunters but hikers and bikers and bird watchers and anyone who wants to, you know, go on um, public land. Um, so I think, you know, our greatest challenge is just to expand out, out of just this small core hunting community that we have here. Yeah, I think we're all guilty of staying in our silos at times, mm-hmm. which uh, for better or worse, we may get comfortable or know we're going to get a certain reaction from that group. So maybe that's the only people we reach out to. But I think that's an excellent point, Jeff. I think very well said. I think that would apply to all of us, I'm sure. But so what about you from, from the Vortex perspective, guys? You know, I mean, I guess, you know, I'll build a little bit on, on what Jeff was saying there, but um, you know, we're talking about declining hunter numbers, right? And I think ultimately if we want hunting to continue and, and um, hopefully be more mainstream, you took something that at one time was probably the most natural thing in the world, and now all of a sudden, like, not all of a sudden, but over time, like, not as many people participate in it, right? And I'm not sure, I mean, I think you can definitely help recruit people with a, a social post, and I mean, way including myself in this statement, um, but it's more the grassroots of if you can find that person that maybe is on the fence or is showing a slight interest, and again, I'm telling myself this as much as I'm telling anybody mm-hmm. else, um, make an effort to bring that person, you know, a field and let them or, or, or be with them and, and hear the woods wake up, you know, and, and, and see and witness these things and maybe hopefully potentially have a, uh, you know, quote, quote unquote successful hunt where you're able to um, take a game animal, maybe any sort of game mm-hmm. animal. And, and um, it doesn't have, I feel like personally, like I get primarily like I'm big game focused, right? You know, that's probably where a lot of my passions lie, but um, a new hunter doesn't need to go shoot a buck or a doe or whatever. It could be as simple as a, as a waterfowl hunt or a squirrel hunt. And maybe that's the best place to start, right? Because it is a more social type. It's okay to talk a little bit. You know, there's maybe not as much pressure or... Um, it's more social. It's I more, think it's fair it, to say it's more social. It's, it's more yeah. social, and it doesn't mm-hmm. take maybe necessarily the time. You know, it's you not usually 10 degrees below zero when you're doing that either. It's, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's not 10 degrees time. below yeah. zero. You know, you're not working a week for that one opportunity, right. you know. So um, I guess it doesn't really necessarily pertain to social media, but more of that grassroots of, you know, taking that person that may have an interest and in, in truly introducing them to the sport, you know, on that, on that personal level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think as somebody who, I've said I guess a couple times, but I, I guess I didn't used to hunt a ton, um, or really, and now I'm just starting to get into it. I, I think that it took, it took a while, like hunting, people who go hunting, um, it's kind of like a, a, black box if you will they they're they're gone for a while you see a picture at the end where they have a deer and you're like oh okay 
that's what you did. I have mm-hmm. no idea what happened while you're out mm-hmm. there, but that's cool. You were gone for a while, like, you know, you missed the game, but whatever, you know, it was just kind of that was it, and it, it didn't really interest me all that much, you know. And it wasn't until I started talking with a lot of the a lot of the hunters around here at Vortex and a lot of other hunters that I've just met along the way where, you know, um, they don't they don't just kind of talk about like oh yeah I got a buck it's kind of like oh man like we were out we were scouting we were in talking with the guys from the hunting public where they're like yeah we were in mm-hmm. ghillie we were like full ghillie we were spotting and then mm-hmm. it was like we got down we left our spotting skills behind stalked and like literally got in deer beds and I'm like that's awesome yeah yeah like dude like you guys are having a lot of fun mm-hmm. out there it's mm-hmm. not just kind of like you know and again I- I'm speaking from I guess my perspective being somebody who's a little bit more of like. I'm into kind of the more action-oriented mm-hmm. stuff. I, I'm not. I'm not pooing anybody who just who does the tree stand thing. But you know, it, it wasn't until I started hearing that there's more than one way to hunt. There's more than one reason to hunt. You know, mm-hmm. I also, in addition to wanting to do something more adventurous, I love cooking. And once somebody actually came back and like we cooked venison on the grill. Um, I've had like, I feel like I've had venison sausage and jerky so many times that mm-hmm. it's kind of like, it's like white noise, mm-hmm. you know, but like once we actually, they brought back a steak and we cooked it on the grill and I was like, this is one of the greatest things I've ever eaten. Just even sharing food. I was like, that drove me to want to hunt more. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, yeah, just sharing, sharing more than like the end thing. Mm-hmm. Right. I was gone for a while. Bam, a buck. It's like sharing more than that. The whole experience of hunting, I think, is... And people these days, I think, are very experiential. Uh, I I think that, again, social media and seeing pretty images and awesome videos has Mm -hmm. made them kind of that way. Mm -hmm. And that's... To touch on that, what's changed in the past five to ten years, I think we're seeing more of the middle now. It used Mm -hmm. to be beginning and the guys at the truck. Mm -hmm. Then you you get an impact shot. Video's over. Whereas now, hunting public, that's a huge reason why we wanted to get involved with them for the web series. Um, it, that's that kind of DIY thing we had talked about. It's accessible for people. You're learning as you're watching it, so I, I think that's big to touch on too. Mm-hmm. From DNR's perspective, I won't I won't whine about this too much, but I mean I think it's just a perception issue for us, um, and it's something we really strive every day to work on. Not just communications people like myself, but staff in the field, staff in the office. Um, I think there's just this perception that uh, we don't care as much we don't know what we're doing uh, we don't like doing this stuff when it just couldn't be farther from the truth so um, it's it's definitely an uphill battle for us but we're trying hard with things like podcasts and definitely getting partners like you guys involved um, helps us carry the water because yeah. um, the fact of the matter is we could we could say the sky's blue and someone in the hunting industry could put out the same post that says the sky's mm-hmm. blue and you're going to see different comments on both of those yeah and it's interesting because you know, we, 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 we've touched on public lands here quite a bit. And, you know, a lot of us have probably spent time in, on these public places. And you go and you, you go out to a public property and you see a mowed trail and you walk that mowed trail to get to a spot where you want to hike, you want to, you know, hang a tree stand, whatever. That mowed trail was there because of, you know, the, the people that work for your state's Fish and Wildlife Agency. And to be able to support those people, I think, is important because at the end of the day, we have three, you know, totally different stakeholder groups here, but we're all on the same exact team. Mm-hmm. So to, to, to not support one is to not support all three, mm-hmm. in yep. my opinion. Yep. And like we mentioned before, with we can't get it stuck in this mode of just doing social media and modern tools. Go out and talk to your local DNR staff. That's a huge part of the communication that we do is, I wouldn't call it grassroots, but just that person-to-person communication and and that can spread in a community just as fast as, as social media can. So just go talk to them, um, pick their brain. They're always happy to talk about that stuff. But I would, I would say that's our biggest challenge is, is per- perception. And um, it's something we're working on. We're very cognizant of it. Um, it's no secret to us. And I'm sure it's no secret to, to much of the people listening. But um, we're working on it. So before we start to wrap up here, does anyone have anything they wanted to add? I think we covered a lot of, a lot of ground today. Yeah. Um, Mark, 
man, Mark took that monster and it really just supercharged yeah. the whole <laughs> Uncharacteristically, <laughs> got a mat down today. Monster energy drink over here. I don't know what level it's at, but I think it's about a 17. <laughs> New sponsor for Wild Wisconsin. Yeah, monster <laughs> so one thing I like to do before we wrap up is I like to ask everyone relative to the topic, what's one thing you could tell someone if you bump into them on the street, and you're assuming that this person knows nothing about what we talked about today. So you've got one opportunity, elevator speech type thing. So Jim, maybe we'll start with you. What's one thing you could tell someone about kind of the way that we communicate with hunters and outdoors people and kind of what it all means and why they should care? Oh man, I'm usually not good when I go first on these sum up things. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a deep thinker. Uh, I'll try to, I'll try to come up with some, I guess, if I were talking to somebody, um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat something I said a little bit earlier, which is, you know, maybe this person hunts, maybe they don't hunt, um, but I would say be open-minded to the fact that there are different ways and types of hunting out there, um, and that uh, it's it's hard to say one or the other is, is right or wrong, and realistically speaking, we should probably all be uh, much more open-minded uh, to to the other types of, of hunters that are that are out there and and what I'm speaking to mainly is you know western hunters yeah you guys do awesome stuff like in some pretty big giant country big mountains you know but the dude back here in Wisconsin who's up in a tree stand like that guy you're you're on the same team you know or the guy who really does it for the subsistence lifestyle and the and the food aspect of it when he's posting a bunch of pictures of food on Instagram don't be like you know oh, hey, you know, you're just posting pictures of food on Instagram like some, you know, what are you going to do next? Mm -hmm. Like go to the coffee shop and post pictures of your latte with, yep. the, you know, heart and the bubbles or whatever. Yes, you know, <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah. Maybe you are. Yeah, but it's it's kind of like, I guess, that's what I'm referring to where it's like if you're on the same team, try not to duke it out. Um, and and that's, that's where I'm at. Hopefully that was decent. And that clutch. was pretty darn good All for right. the first one. Well done. So, man, I'd say, um, and thanks, Jim, for taking a lot of what I was going to say there. Um, <laughs> Second time that's happened. Coincidence? Yeah, well, that's, that's, that is the one benefit to you only first. I think you're a mind reader. Um, but uh, if, if you run into somebody that seems like, you know, they're, they're semi-receptive to the message or, or interested, um, or, or even if they're maybe, like, opposing, right? You know, be respectful um, and, and try to educate them. Uh, in a respectful way that you know may um, you know may may resonate. Like I said, you know we're fortunate. We we know the whole story, right? And other folks don't. And I mean, this is going to be a long wrap up, like I generally do. So sorry about that. But you know, a case in point, I was just up um, in Alaska Airport. Guy had um, uh, a moose that he was bringing back, you know, and uh, the. Uh, the, uh, the meat was at a processor. He was going to have that shipped back, but he had the, the skull wrapped and the horns wrapped up in, in a bag. And, man, I told I think he talked to everybody at the airport. I mean, everybody, whether you hunted, didn't hunt. Um, and actually, interesting enough, because I was kind of, you know, just, um, I guess, observing, you know, this go on for a while because I had a lot of time to kill at the airport. But um, most of the people that talked to him or made comments weren't hunters, you know, and there were a lot of questions like, you know, some people almost were not standoffish. But like, so, what are you doing with the meat? You know, where's the meat? You know, and he'd explain to that person. But you know, always you know, very respectful. And I think a lot of people left informed. So, um, mm -hmm. like 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 Jim said, you know, we're all on the same team, and um, you know, I guess you know, fill people in, give them give them the rest of the story, and do I think they'll appreciate that. Do they have XL doors at the Alaska airport for people bringing in moose skulls? Yeah, they, I think they, yeah, they definitely plan for that. There's like the exact outline of moose horns in the doorway. It's like, <laughs> like it's like a cartoon. You just yeah. put it up and walk yeah. through it. Yep. Eric, how about you? Man, uh, for me, I guess it would just be you know we kind of talked about how everyone has a platform today, and a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast are either already hunters or, you know, aspiring to be a hunter someday or someone who maybe just wants more information about it. But to, for, for those people, a lot of those, those are, those people are the same folks who have social media channels and, you know, go out and do this stuff. I think talking about stewardship is something that's really important because we all have that following, whether it's, you know, you got 20 people who, who are your, you know, close friends, 
family and friends that you're friends with on Facebook or you got a couple thousand people who you're communicating with daily, your message carries weight because people see it. So I think if everyone just kind of had that that internal quality control that they thought of before they put something out there into the, into the social media world, you know, first, I think things would be a little bit more positive than they already are. And second, I think from a hunting standpoint, we would all impact that lifestyle that we care so much about in a much better way. Because, you know, to go back to the tongue hanging out and stuff like that, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, it's kind of what happens. It's kind of what happens, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. But to be able to tell that whole story. The why. The why, exactly. Yep. Fill in that middle ground, and I think we're going to have a lot of people who are more connecting the dots in the process of hunting, fishing, whatever it is. Jeff, how about you? It's pretty much what I was going to say, Eric, but um, <laughs> yeah, I should right. I'm going last. Yeah, just pay attention. Um, pay attention to what you're doing because, as as Eric said, um, you're going to have a lot of followers or maybe you don't even have a lot of followers. Let's say you have two and one's not a hunter. Um, that one person is going to tell another person and that one person is going to tell another person. So just pay attention because we are in the – minority when it comes to the general population and um if the majority decides that they don't want us to hunt anymore then that's what's going to happen mm -hmm. because we won't be able to stop them so um just pay attention to what you're doing and and think about what you're going to do before you hit that post button on your phone mm -hmm. i'm gonna do a quick one it's just i think we all have more in common than we think we do whether you hunt hike like to take the boat out on the lake. Uh, chances are you like to be outdoors, whether that's on public lands or not. I think we all just need to find common ground and go from there. I think we, a lot of people start the discussion about at where you disagree, and you could have gone five steps before that and started on, okay, here's at a very basic level what we yep. both agree with. And if you can go out from there, I think you're going to find that when you get to that point you would have started at before, um, it's not an issue. Mm -hmm. So I think... Just be civil too, man. Our Facebook page, yeah, be <laughs> holy cow, <laughs> yeah. man, it is. Some of the stuff we get on there is pretty crazy. So, before you think about or before you hit enter on some of that stuff, just there's a human being on the other end, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> with feelings, just, just think of them. Think of the children, man. But I'll just I'll just add to that also, sir. Go talk to a person at the DNR, and then make yeah. a Facebook post about how nice they were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I seriously, mean, I, I you know since I've been the chairman, I've talked to a lot of DNR staff, and and they do care. They do care about this stuff. So go and talk to them before you, before you, yeah, make that make that comment, and don't make a comment unless you say it to their face. Frankly. Oh yeah, that's another good mm -hmm. one. So does anyone have any other closing thoughts? That was oh, wow. I liked that last wrap up. That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> It's so much more fun to say things to people when you don't ever have to see them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Behind the veil Key of your computer keyboard, screen. Keyboard warrior. Yep. yep. So thanks for joining us, everyone. I think we covered a lot today. I want to thank these guys, obviously, like I said, for being great partners and for taking the time to join me today. I think this is a super important topic. I hope you're going to going to get some use out of it um, whether that's next time you're on social media you're thinking of some of this stuff or just finding new ways to share your message and get information um, you can find this podcast and all of our other podcasts and also our web series at dnr.wi.gov keywords wild wisconsin um, they're on our youtube channel widnr tv um, itunes and stitcher you can search wild wisconsin on both of those and then, as I mentioned, uh, we've got social media pages, and they're out there. We want to interact with you. We want to hear from you. Um, so use them. That's what they're for. Uh, so I just want to thank everyone for tuning in. Thank these guys again for joining me. And we will see you next time on the DNR's Wild Wisconsin Off the Record podcast.